Dan Talentire, writer, editor for NRL.com on the programme shortly to review round six of the NRL. But let's update the Masters from Augusta. John Ram of Spain, 12 under. He's played 16, 17th and 18th to go. Three-shot lead. Brooks Kepka has pulled a shot back. He is nine under. Also through 16. Phil Mickelson back in the clubhouse at eight under. He will likely, well, he will end up finishing second at best, but more than likely third. Hey, what are you at? Round of 65 at eight under, the great Phil Mickelson. You are a commentator. You commentate a variety of sports. Have you ever considered golf? Could you give us a little taster, maybe, of a little bit of a golf commentary uh, well, on this hole here? I, well, golf, you don't have to say much, do you? Well, you just got to put the quiet voice on. You just got to put the golf ability just, just shank that to the right. Let's just look at the body language. Oh, oh, it's come off the trees. It's come off the trees. The breeze. The trees at Augusta. It's probably that you probably get banned from Augusta no, for no. that much hype. No, I don't know. I don't know. Until you're actually in the moment, Sam, it's um You can put a rugby league commentary on it though, eh? What do you R- mean? Ram will come to the eighteenth. Putter in hand, two shot lead. Settle back and enjoy all of this one. The man from Spain, he looks at Kupka, he says, well, let's go toe-to-toe on the 18th. Ram now with the driver, he brings out the Bertha. Takes you right back to the big days of origin. You could do it, see? (laughs) I don't know, that was pretty good, though. Yeah. Ram. Ram with the putter. Ram. It's going. It's going. Anyway, just lost the plot a little bit here, Sam. Are we good to go? Are we happy to talk some rugby league? Because I understand that Dan Talentire is a very intelligent man, a very good-looking man in a very platonic way. Dan, good afternoon. Good morning. How are you? Thank you for that welcome. Look, I was I was ready for some more golf rugby league crossover. I think we may have found a niche that uh, really works for an audience. Oh, look, I think you can take that sort of rugby league commentary and put it on most sports and get away with it, can't you? You know, it's... um. Yeah, no, I grew up on that stuff. Always loved watching... Uh, I think it was State of Origin 92, and it was... Um, I'm just trying to remember. It might have been... Who was the Warriors commentator back in the 1990s, Sam? You can't, who was the Warriors commentator back in the 1990s? No, no, before Costigan, in the early days. Anyway, I always remember State of Origin. Settle back, enjoy all of this one, swinging arm over the top on Elias. Loved all of that <laughs> stuff back in the day, eh? Hey, um, look, we're into round six of the NRL. Big wins by the Storm, big wins by the Rabbitohs and also the Panthers. After... Let's uh, an up and down first five rounds. That teething period where maybe some teams play on emotion, uh, maybe some of the bigger clubs just haven't quite hit their straps. But are we now starting to see the cream rise to the top? Is this now the Storm, the Rabbitohs, the Panthers? Are they going to continue with this type of form now going forward? Yeah, look, I think certainly those three teams you mentioned there are all playing some very impressive football. I thought the Storm in particular. You know, got to remember that's the first time that they've had Jerome Hughes, Cameron Munster and Harry Grant available for a whole game this year. And I think no surprise they delivered the performance they did. They've obviously got Ryan Pappenhausen to come back at some point. So I, I certainly think the Storm will figure there or thereabouts once again. Uh, the Rabbitohs, their, their attack is really something special. When they click into gear, they have so many weapons that can just put points on them when Latrell Mitchell's in the form that he's in. Uh, he is a very uh, difficult uh, difficult player to stop. And then Penrith, like you said, I think uh, they've certainly found their rhythm in the last two weeks. Uh, they, they've still got a few players out that's worth noting too. No James Fisher-Harris, no Liam Martin, no Luke Garner in that side that performed so well uh, on the weekend against Manly. So look, I certainly think 
look, those three sides will be there or thereabouts at the end of the year. Uh, no discounting teams like the Roosters, who I think were missing their captain in James Tedesco and had their moments against the Storm, but uh, just fell short. Um, a team like Parramatta, I think many are still waiting to click into gear and might still be there as well. So, look, I, I certainly think the three sides you mentioned are three of the better teams we've got this year, but it is a long year and uh, never quite knows how some of these teams will go as the year goes on. Mm. I want to talk about the Broncos Raiders because that's the first loss for the Broncos this season. You actually run through statistics against the Raiders and there's a lot to like about this Broncos performance except for the scoreboard, 20 points to 14. So do we read too much into this loss for the Broncos and what, what does this also say about the Canberra Raiders? Yeah, I think first and foremost it shows a real great resilience from Ricky Stewart's side. They were completely blown off the park last week against Penrith, particularly in that second half. And they were booed off at home. Uh, one of the NRL journalists wrote a story from Hudson Young talking about the first time that's the first time he's ever been booed off uh, at home. And so I think that really would have left a bit of a sour taste in their mouth. And so to go away to Brisbane against an undefeated side and to hang on in the way that they did is super impressive and speaks to the resilience that's in that side. Uh, for me, that result speaks more to the Raiders than the Broncos. I thought the Broncos were quite okay. They were a little bit clunky in past. You know, Reese Walsh came within a whisker of scoring, and that could have been a completely different game then. Uh, so, look, I don't think it says too much about the Broncos. They are, without a doubt, a very tough team to face, and um, they've certainly got a number of players that can control a game really well in Adam Reynolds, um, but also then break a game open in Reese Walsh. So, I think the Broncos are still certainly a strong side. I, I think this one speaks more to what Canberra were able to deliver in their resilience um, and, and probably really great to see someone like Jared Croker back in that team too. I think Croker's been a bit of a forgotten player in the last 12, 18 months with some of the injuries he's battled through but to have him back and ultimately it was his goal kicking that proved the difference in the end. The Dolphins, another win, 32-22 over the Cowboys. I mean, a lot of people felt that maybe through the first three, four rounds, this is just a club that's playing purely on emotion, that this is not going to last. They just simply don't have history, they don't have heritage and they perhaps might not have depth. What are your thoughts on this Dolphins? Can you see this club making their playoffs in the first year or is it still too early to tell and do they have the depth below their key playmakers? Yeah and that's that's a fascinating question. If you have asked me that last week, I think I'd have agreed with what you were saying at the start there, which is what many people were supposed to be how does this team go when they have some injuries and they have some suspensions and do they have the depth? And if you'd have taken out Sean O'Sullivan, who I think has been one of the better halves in the first five weeks of the season, you take out Felice Kafusi, uh, you take out some of these other players that they were missing um, and you send them away to Townsville to face a Cowboys side that was welcoming back Scott Drinkwater, I'd have given them next to no hope. Um, and yet, for me, they were one of the more impressive teams this week. They were committed, they attacked well. I thought Hamaso Tabuifado gets better and better every week and gets more and more accustomed to that fullback role. Um, you know, even guys like uh, Edric Lee coming in and doing his job, I think what, what Wayne Bennett is doing there is something special this year. Um, it is still a long year and, and look, they another injury or two you never quite know, but I guess that also goes the same for every other team too. I, I, think, I think it's not a stretch to say the Dolphins are well and truly in this finals race if we can call it a race after six weeks, uh, they are well and truly in the hunt for a playoff position this year. And um, as the year goes on, it, it'll be interesting to see how they go over the origin period. If they lose someone like Kafusi again for a longer period of time and 
uh, maybe one or two others. But look, I certainly think they are a team that not many will want to play because they know that they're going to be competing for that full 80 minutes and they're going to give them a real run for their money every single week. Mm. Injuries are going to start to play more of a, a part in terms of player lineups. We've just seen the Warriors lose to Myrie Martin, Wade Egan off with a head knock. I mean, they've already um, lost a number of players to injury. And they say in English Premier League football, look, a player will win you a game, but a squad will win you a championship. When you look across the NRL, what clubs have the depth? What clubs are you confident through worst-case scenario can put out a side that is still going to be in the contest. Do you see it with this Warriors team? Yeah, the Warriors are a fascinating example. I think you, they've had um, a fair play, a fair few players go out already going into that game. I think you've obviously saw who Harris was out, um, no Mitch Barnett. Uh, I think Dallin Wapeni Zalesniak came back via reserve grade. Um, so there's still a few players that weren't in that side that would have been obviously someone like Luke Metcalf. Um, would have been in that mix for round one had he not gotten injured. Um, so I think the Warriors are already showing their depth in a number of in a number of ways. Uh, look, losing the two that they did, um, particularly I think Tamali is is a big loss um, and obviously a really a tricky one to replace. Um, I think that'll be interesting to see how they go about moving that around next week and what that looks like. Um, I think Wade Egan. Hopefully, it's it's only just that one week potentially for him, and hopefully nothing too uh, severe. As he's been very impressive as well. Um, I think the Warriors do have that depth to compete. I think we've seen it already in the year in the way in which Andrew Webster is able to bring a side together. Um, for me, the the obvious pinnacle in in a team with depth is is Penrith. I think we've seen over the last few years just how impressive players like Sean O'Sullivan when they were behind Nathan Cleary and Jerome Luai. Uh, we saw. Someone like Kurt Falls came in for a debut last year at Penrith and did a great job. Um, we've seen players like Jamin Salmon stand up when they've got a lot of players out with Origin. I think it was a game, I think it was just last year, that Penrith beat the Tigers with seven players out to Origin. So I think Penrith have shown the model that um, players can take the most of the opportunity when it's there for them. And that's what you want to generate in a side, is that when players are unavailable through injury or suspension or representative selection, uh, you have players that stand up and make the most of it. Um, I think the Warriors are are really on the right on the right track, and probably no surprise given that it's something Andrew Webster would have seen firsthand at Penrith last year. Eleven minutes after eleven, we are talking rugby league. Dan Talentire, writer, editor for NRL dot com, is my guest on the program. Uh, Dan, we started the show talking about the Storm, the Rabbitohs, and the Panthers, and maybe the cream rising to the top. I want to ask you about the Cowboys and the Sharks particularly because almost the same sides from last year. Uh, we've got also the Eels, grand finalists, suddenly second to bottom on the table. What has gone wrong for the Cowboys, the Eels and the Sharks? Should fans of those clubs panic or is it just a case of starting the season slow and the best is yet to come? Yeah, look, I think certainly not panicking. Let's let's. There's no need to do that just yet. I think particularly the Sharks for me are one that uh, I think they showed against the Warriors in that first half. They are more than capable of putting on points against any team in the comp. Uh, Nico Hines is one of the elite players in our competition. They've got an incredible backline of attacking talents from Sione Katoa to Ronaldo Molotalo. Uh, they've got some impressive outside backs. They've got a great forward pack. Guys like Teague Wilton have been impressive this year. So look, I've got no... I'm not worried at all about Cronulla. I think they're definitely going to be in the finals at the end of the year. Um, they're a little bit out of rhythm so far, but obviously with Nico having been injured and some other changes to that side, I think they'll they'll click the groove pretty quickly and they're going to be a side that I think not many are going to want to face 
uh, the back end of the year. Uh, the Eels are a, a bit of an interesting one. I think maybe the loss of Reed Marnie, uh, the rugby league public maybe didn't quite consider just how big a loss that was. I think Josh Hodgson is a quality player and I think he brings their forwards onto the ball really well. Uh, I think it's been interesting probably the change in how Reed Marnie works with both Mitchell Moses and Dylan Brown and the way in which Josh Hodgson does that. Uh, Hodgson's much more crafty and um, creative around the ruck, whereas Marnie did a really good job at getting that pass out to Marnie, uh, getting that pass out to Moses. Sorry, uh, I think uh, he's got one of the best passes off the ground in the comp read, Marnie. So I think that's been interesting and that's a change that Parramatta have had to work through and they've probably had a little bit of a slower shift out wide in their attack as a result. Um, having said that, Parramatta are playing the Tigers today and uh, could bounce back into form quite quickly uh, given how we've seen some of the teams put on points against the Tigers this year. Um, Parramatta are a tricky one to quite read for me. I probably want to see a few more weeks from them to see just how they'll gel. Uh, I, I think the Hodgson-Moses combination will continue to improve. And as that does, I've got no doubt Parramatta are going to be a good side. Uh, I just don't quite know if they're going to be at the level they were last year. Uh, and then the Cowboys, yeah, the Cowboys are a really, I think, disappointing one so far this year. I think they've um, had a lot of injuries and they've probably had a lot of uh, players not quite be at the level they were last year. But I think that last start performance against the Dolphins is really disappointing. Uh, they welcome Drinkwater back. They welcome Cotter back. Um, yeah, they're still missing several players. Obviously, they didn't have uh, no Jeremiah Nanai, no Helam Lukey. Uh, I think they were also missing... Uh, one or two others, uh, no Murray Talongi. So they are missing a few, um, but also they had a fair, fair side run out against the Dolphins. And given who the Dolphins were missing, they, uh, yeah, I think really should have gotten on with the job at home there. So of those three, yeah, look, I'm not at all worried about Cronulla. I'd probably put Parramatta in the middle and the Cowboys, I think, yeah, we, we, we might be seeing a bit of a drop off from where they were last year. I do want to just focus on the final game of the round. You've just talked about it. The West Tigers taking on the Eels. Um, TAB have got clearly the Eels as heavy favourites. I mean, you run through this Tigers lineup: Asaya Popoli, David Clemmer, uh, Coruscant. You're going to have a Luke Brooks at halfback. I mean, why are they so bad? Why why are they the team everybody's just beating up on at the moment? Yeah, I think there've been uh, a lot of changes in the squad every week. Uh, while it's been similar players, we've seen a new halves combination nearly every week. It was just two weeks ago we were told that Brandon Wakem was the answer in the halves and Adam Dewey was a great fullback. Uh, that's now changed. Uh, Adam Dewey's back in the halves, which is where I think he is better than he's better half than a fullback. Um, and Luke Brooks is there. Charlie Staines is at fullback. We've had Dane Laurie at fullback. Uh, we've had John Bateman come into the side and play on an edge. And now he's kind of playing on an edge down the middle. I just think there's been a lot of changes to that side as they try and figure out what works. Um, and, and I think there are some small steps that show they're getting there. Um, they were, yeah, not great against Brisbane. And that was a really disappointing performance. There have been moments in games before that that they've competed well. Uh, they could have nearly got the job done against Canterbury a couple of weeks ago. So... I think the Tigers, the reason why we're seeing such a disrupted start to the year is because it's a disrupted side. There's too many changes that are happening week on week in that team as Tim Sheens and Benji Marshall, Benji Marshall sorry, search for um, the winning combination. And the more in which they try and uh, tinker and change things, I think it's actually not necessarily helping them. Um, really giving them some space, let them be. Um, I think we're going to see a really strong performance from the Tigers today. Um, this might be clipped up on social and played out later, so please don't do that. Um, but I, I think we're going to see a really strong performance yeah. from the Tigers today. I don't know if it's enough to beat Parramatta, but I think this is a more settled Tigers lineup. This one that's named today, and 
Um, with uh, yeah, some, I think they've got a good forward pack, which I think will compete well against the Eels, particularly with no junior bolo. Um, so I think there'll be no doubt that the Tigers will be competitive through the middle. It's just whether their edges can make good decisions in attack and in defence. Um, that'll be, I think, for me, the key as to whether they can hold this Parramatta side to a tight game. You've got to remember, it is this game last year that uh, we saw that memorable Jackson Hastings field goal in the last play of the game. Uh, the Tigers and the Eels is always uh, a really big game on the rugby league calendar uh, in Sydney. Uh, Luke Brooks said it's his favourite game of the year. Um, I've got no doubt that the Tigers are going to be up for this one, and I think Parramatta will know that. Um, should be a really great contest this afternoon. Well, I can tell you, big fella, Ram, he's about to win it. He's about to... He is four under. One of the great performances. Kepka. Kepka now. I just thought we'd finish with the rugby league commentary while we've got you there, um, Dan. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Keep it coming. Fantastic. Hey, lovely to have you on the program. Thanks very much. Have a great day. Thank you. There you go. Dan Tallendire, uh, writer, editor from NRL.com, reviewing, previewing, or yeah, reviewing the weekend's round of the NRL, round six, and then previewing the final game of the round. It is today the Tigers taking on the Parramatta Eels. I'll just run through those scores for you from the round. So we had the Storm beating the Roosters 28-8. We had the Doggies beating, uh, getting beaten up by the Rabbitohs 50 points to 16. The Dolphins getting up over the Cowboys 32 points to 22. The Panthers beating up the Eagles 44-12. The Broncos getting beaten by the Raiders, their first loss of the season by 20 points to 14. The Titans getting up over the Dragons 20 points to 18. The Knights beating the Warriors 34 points to 24. And then the Tigers, Eels tonight. Uh, just a couple of things out of it. Um, we just had Sam, who does the commentary here for the Warriors games, who did the game yesterday with Tony Kemp, saying the Warriors are starting to just look a little bit tired. Just the two home games have been on the road a lot. Uh, are you concerned by that loss? Or are you still excited? Do you still believe? Are you, like me, just a little bit hesitant to want to get too carried away but are enjoying the fact they've had some wins and started the season pretty well considering how tough the season has been. The poor starts have got to be a concern. I think that's what, two, three games in a row now where perhaps they haven't started that well. What are they doing in their warm-ups? Do they need to change their protocols? Can't keep coming back from big margins and expecting to win all the time. 0800 150 if the NRL Grand Final was tomorrow, who would be your two teams right now? I know it's ridiculous, six rounds into it, but I'd like to do this because it just gives you an idea of how teams do evolve as the season goes on. The two teams that you might pick today, six weeks' times, it's two different teams, and then eventually we do find out who our two teams in the NRL Grand Final are. Love to get your thoughts. 